Good evening and welcome. I'm Diane Meyerhoff, host for tonight's discussion of the Essex Charter Change, part of Channel 17's ongoing coverage of Town Meeting 2020. Tonight's show is being aired live on Channel 17, streamed live on the Channel 17 website, and is available via podcast. We welcome your comments and questions. If you're watching this program live, please join the conversation at 862-3966. Tonight, I am joined by, from the Essex Select Board, Elaine Haney, Andy Watts, and from Fairness First, Irene Renner, and Ken Signor, oh my gosh, Signorello. Yes, Signorello, perfect, thank you. Sorry about that. And um, the format, format for tonight's forum is that we're going to, or I'm going to read the uh, Town Meeting Day Charter Change item, and then we're gonna talk about a series of prepared questions, and of course, calls from you, our viewers. Don't forget, 862-3966. I'm gonna ask that everyone limit their comments to about two minutes if we can, to give everyone a chance to speak. So first, the wording on the ballot item. This is Article 5. Shall the Town of Essex amend the Town Charter to expand the Select Board from five at-large members to six members, three of whom would be elected from inside the village and three of whom will be elected from outside the village? If approved, the Charter Change language um, would be as follows. Chapter 2, Officers. Section 202, Select Men. Hope that gets changed too. Um, number, Terms of Office and Election. A. There shall be a board of selectmen consisting of six members, and that changes from five to six. All selectmen shall be elected at large, will be, be stricken, and it will say as follows, three from inside the village of Essex Junction and three from outside the village. Okay, so that is what the ballot item will say when you see it um, on town meeting day, March 3rd. So from there, um, let's talk, um, Elaine has, has said she's willing to talk a little bit about um, sort of how we got where we are now. What, what, what's a village and a town and how does that work? Sure. Yes. So um, thanks, Diane. Across Vermont, there are many communities that have a town with a village nested within, within it. And generally, a village is formed when it needs to provide services for itself that are not needed in the outer areas of the town. That's the case with um, the village of Essex Junction, which was formed in 1892 to serve itself in terms of sidewalks, fire protection, around the area of the train station that had grown up back in that time. Um, fast forward to 2000, uh, 1953, 1952, when IBM came to Essex, um, the population in the village had been larger. And since the 50s, when IBM arrived, the populations have evened out to the point where um, the difference in populations between the town outside of the village and the village itself is about 100 people. Would you say that's about accurate? Is that a description? They're very that's close. It's, a, it's an estimated from the census, under a thousand for sure. I meant the. Anything else you wanted to add to the, the description? No, that sounds good for me. How about you? Works for me. We should note. I think that other towns, of course, have separated or. Many have. So it used to be there was about seventy-six um, incorporated villages in Vermont. Now there are about thirty-five. Um, <laughs> they merge and they separate in ways that work for them. It seems to be individual. There's no pattern. You've done a lot of research. Yeah, there's at least, there's at least one village that s still exists on the books but has no government, <laughs> doesn't operate. It's still, there's still the charter and everything, but it just doesn't operate. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember the name of it, but there is a one. Yeah. And then there's the town yeah. of Hartford that has five unincorporated Hartford villages. Hartford has five villages in it, right? You know where White River Junction is, right? Sure. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Yeah. It's a it's, it's the town of Hartford. It's an, it's an unincorporated village right. in, the, in the town. Okay. The most recent change was um, Water, Waterbury, Waterbury dissolved their right. village. Yep. Right. 
Okay. So yeah, so, Vermont. <laughs> so there's many many ways to approach this. And, it, and, and for example, Winooski, for example, was part of Colchester, right? and, and it, right. it, yes. it separated. So there there are cases where of separations that also occur. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. Well, that sort of sets the stage for for this charter change item. Um, so tell us a little bit um, about the process um, that put this proposal on the ballot, because um, this was a this was I don't know I don't know all the details of it, but I'm curious to hear about um, how it was put on the ballot. Um, and is that something, Irene, that you want to talk about? I, I can start. Okay. Um, Starts there. We, yeah. We put together several petitions and started taking them around um, to residents to see if what we saw happening was something that would resonate with everyone else. And we found quickly that we are going to, yeah, number four would be great. Oh, it's slide number four. Slide yeah. number four. <laughs> um, and, and we very quickly collected many more signatures than we needed. Um, and what is the requirement? What's the required number? 5% of the registered voters. Which is about? 800 something. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Um, how we got to put in the other petition was that we were sitting at meetings and we were watching and noticing that the town outside the village, even though it has half the population of the town, had not really any way of voicing its opinions or its needs around the joint board table because the joint boards consist of five village trustees who represent the village only and five select board members who are beholden to the entire town. And so you're left with 11,000 people who have no one to speak for them. And um, we thought since the merger plan was going to cost the folks outside the village a considerable amount of money, and that's what's under negotiation right now, maybe those folks needed to have at least an equal say at that table. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about the process at all? Um, yeah, I'll address the process and jump in whenever you feel mm -hmm, you wish mm -hmm. to jump in. So when a citizen petition is received at the select board, there is a timeline that starts. And so um, the town clerk immediately began to review all the signatures. Um, every signature has to be a registered voter. So um, she checked to make sure that there were enough registered voters on that petition, confirmed that there were. And then the, step, the next step was to put the petition exactly as it was proposed by the residents on the ballot. Mm -hmm. So um, if the select board had decided to put something on the ballot, we could make changes to it if we wanted to. But because it came from citizens, we cannot make any changes except things like spelling. So um, it went on the ballot and we were required to hold two public hearings. One was on January 27th and one was on February 3rd. And um, it was not a, a public hearing to determine whether the question should go on the ballot. It was just a public hearing to determine what people thought about it, ask questions, talk about things. Um, while that process was going and the clerk was getting the ballot ready, um, we did a lot of research because the question being asked was unusual and we had to determine how we would implement it should it pass. So that research was ongoing as well. Okay, and we'll, and we'll talk a little bit about what the implementation is sure. a, a little bit later in the, the program. And we have a caller, perfect timing. Hi, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. You have a oh, question okay. For I think yeah. that our thing is delayed. So according to what I'm watching, yes. I'm not on yet. Yeah. This is Mary Post, and my question is, when is when are the elected officials going to get out of the way? I think that we need to stop this whole process because from people I've talked to in both the village and the town, people are feeling totally left out of the process. We've had. I have to turn this stupid thing down. Yes, please do. Um, 
people. Is there a delay? Oh, yeah, I'm way yeah. behind you here. Yeah. Um, let me just uh, hold on. I've got to get away from that. Okay. So, you know, okay. Let me think here. Okay, so people don't feel like they're part of the process. And they've kept the people out of the process this whole time. And I was talking to a lady from the junction, a very nice lady, and she said, you know, we don't feel like we're part of the process either. And we said, you know, the best thing would be if the elected officials would stay out of the process, let the people take care of it. And they said, yeah, we've had really good success when we had heart and soul and other things. And we all came up with great ideas. Everybody was in agreement. There was no animosity. And then, boom, they don't pay attention to it. They come up with their own ideas. They made it clear. It was even said in the meeting, we don't want people to be involved because they don't know as much as we do. So my question is, can you just stop this and get out of the way and let the people decide? Thank you. Thank you, Mary, for the call. So... Let's talk about the public process. I think that's, that's what we're getting at here. So Ken, would you like to start that conversation? Yeah, let me, let me try to address Mary's question. Um, that's exactly what this charter change mechanism is all about. It is, in fact, the people bypassing their select board. It's a statute mechanism that's in the state statutes that if 5% of the voters decide to change their charter, contrary to what the select board, board might like, they can initiate that process. It has to still go through a vote, of course, but it's a safety valve kind of a mechanism. If you have a select board that's unresponsive, let's say, what recourse would the voters have if it wasn't for this mechanism? So Mary, thank you for that call. <laughs> We're doing it. We're trying really hard. Okay. Irene or Ken, do you want to speak to that? The public input, pro input process? Uh, Andy, I think she means us. She said Ken. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Andy, sorry. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused by the question because I wasn't sure whether it was talking about merger or whether it was talking about this particular vote. And so that's why I'm, I'm struggling with how the select board is, well, I guess, yeah, how has the select board been in the way of this? And I guess it's been a, it's an unusual situation and um, none of us have lived through it before. Um, and I don't know, I don't know, maybe we, I don't know, maybe we had to do something. We couldn't just, you know, sit back and put it on the ballot and not have a public hearing as part of the required process. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think that we're we're voted in to to use our own judgment and to raise questions. And you know, we have raised questions about how this will be implemented, how you know, how will affect the future. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not. I'm confused by us being in the way, and I'm wondering if the question was aimed toward merger, not this question. Okay. Can I, thank yep, you. Please. So in the case of the petition, as Andy said, you know, we were required to hold two public hearings, and we, as representatives of all the community members, it's, we're obligated to do the research to figure out how to implement something that the public is asking for. So um, I would not consider the research that we did and the experts we consulted getting in the way. It was more getting <coughs> answers for the public, which is our job. Um, in terms of the merger, um, I'm a little concerned that people still feel like they're not being heard. We have um, done numerous outreach efforts for that. We held focus groups. We had two different surveys that had close to 800 responses, which is a huge response rate. We had the first of um, multiple outreach meetings to come uh, last weekend where we had some fantastic feedback from residents and gathered some excellent questions that we are now we have to answer. Um, so. 
I do th think that there is a perception that people are not being heard, but I can definitely say that that is absolutely not the case. It's unfortunate that people don't feel like they're being heard and that they feel they need to do an end round around their select board. The um, petition process is a time-honored thing and I completely appreciate that folks use that process to make their voices heard and we are listening and as we go forward with the merger process, that's been a two-year process where we've been talking to people. Um, the petition process started the clock for us started when the petition was submitted in December, so it's a much shorter time frame, a lot less time to hear from people. Um, I want to I want to just move a little bit forward because I think this this fits in with the question, and it's um, uh, something that's confused me is who actually will be voting on the charter change on the third? Who actually votes? Is all it town the residents? voters of Essex? Town, town, the voters of Essex. All town residents. All town residents yes. will vote. Okay, okay. Just want to make sure that was that Which was Which includes those folks who live in Essex Junction. Right. Okay. That's just want to make sure we're clear on that. Okay. Um, and will you also discuss this on the March second meeting, or is that just for the budget? There's public uh, comment. Yeah. Public at, at the end yeah. of the business agenda, and we voted on the budget. Yep. We will have time to talk about it. Okay. Absolutely. So more opportunities for the public to be heard. I guess is what I was trying yes. to, to let mm -hmm. folks know that if anybody out there feels like they have not had a chance, right. certainly March 2nd is an opportunity in front of everyone who comes right. to talk mm -hmm. about how, how folks feel about, about the issues. Okay. And they are always welcome to reach out to us. Um, there's a lively discussion happening on Facebook every day, every hour practically, um, and we all have email addresses and phones and texting. I mean, we welcome comments in all forms. Okay, okay. Um, let's talk about a little bit about uh, the, the proposal and what happens with the board. Um, if it becomes indeed from five seats to six, yes, yeah, so it's an even number of seats. Um, and with the even number of representatives, um, what is the procedure to break a tie vote? Have you all given, you've obviously given some thought to how this would be implemented. Definitely. Um, so let us, tell us how, how would that happen? I'll let Irene answer that question. Well, Robert's rules makes and what does it say? It, it says that if there's a tie vote, the motion fails. And that happens with all kinds of committees, odd-numbered committees, even-numbered committees. If you have someone who recuses themselves or you have someone who's absent from an odd-numbered board, you have an even number, and that people work with that. The committee has, th has basically three choices. They can table it to wait for a later time after negotiations take place, or maybe somebody doesn't show up. They can then bring the, table, the motion back up. It can just be left to die, or you can work to come to a, a majority. And that's really the, the goal here. Because of this representation issue that we've been talking about, we think that you know, we're in a unique position. You know, Essex and the village have grown both. This is rare that happens in a village town scenario where both grow. That's what creates this problem that we have. And we think we're unique in that way. Other villages and towns, they've either folded or merged or separated, whichever the case made sense for them. We're not lucky that way. We have two very vibrant communities, and we have to figure out how to get along if we're going to be one together. And we actually think that this concept will give us a bridge, a way for us to do that, work forward and make deals, um, come to majority, even though we have a, um, a, a, a tie situation potentially. Um, if we have a tie and it can't be resolved, it's probably a good thing. That's what we're thinking. That's how we got where we are by having a majority rule. Mm -hmm. Do you all want to address that? Yeah, well, I, I kind of envision that what would happen, uh, you know, if, if, if a vote fails, if a, if a motion is made, seconded and voted on, and it, and it fails, you can't bring up that same, generally can't bring up that same motion in the same meeting. You have to, you have to wait till, till, till another meeting and, and somehow change it. So I, I envision that whoever's running the meeting, voting for a chair may be a challenging thing too, but, um, 
that whoever's running the meeting would ask everybody how they plan to vote before the vote happens. And if it looks like it's going to be a tie, then I think then you continue to have ne negotiations or you, you table it, as Ken suggested, and have discussions or... More information gathered. More information gathered. I mean, we, we you know, even today with five members, we'll do that sometimes. We'll say, we're not ready to, to, to make this vote because we don't have enough information. We ask the staff to go get more information for us. So mm -hmm. it can happen in a, you know, that can happen with five. But it, I would think that you'd, you'd You'd want to poll the board members ahead of time to know whether a, a tie is going to happen, mm -hmm. and then that sounds board, wise. Board so like chair's choice. That's yeah. protocol. Yeah, that's like words I've been on. But but that yeah, that's an idea from the chair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, currently, the way this works, um, first of all, with Robert's rules of orders, with Robert's rules of order, it does say you know if a motion is tied, it dies. But the implication is that the tie-breaking vote is just not there. In this case, there would not be a tie-breaking vote. Um, when we have an absence in our board currently, I will try to find the sense of the board in terms of where something's going. And if, if this is a really important issue that we're going to get ready to vote on, I will table it until the person who's missing comes back. Mm -hmm. When there's a recusal, um, the only experience I've had with recusals is that the, the issue that was being voted on was unanimous. Mm -hmm. So I don't, you know, it's not, it's never been a situation where there was a tie of one portion of our board being pitted against the other. Mm -hmm. um, what I will also say is that um, the implication of this three to three is that there's this inherent challenge on the board right now. So um, can I ask you to show the slide that shows um, select board member residence, Aiden? Hopefully that'll pop up. So. One of the concerns. Is it the, the bar chart one? Yeah, it's right, you can there. See right there. That's the one. One of the concerns is that, um, as you can see under 2019 on the far right, there are three residents of the town outside the village, or excuse me, of the village on the select board. Village residents are our select board, or town residents as well. But up until that date, we did not have that many people on from the village on the board. And so this situation has been concerning to people that they feel that because there are only two residents of the town outside the village, Andy being one of them, that they are not represented fully. But the, the fact behind that also is that there are not, I, in our experience, we have not had ties or, or votes that pitted certain residents against other residents. And in fact, we did some research, and in the last five years, the select board had 882 votes, and 94.9% of them were unanimous. 4.5% uh, of them were 4 to 1, and 0.6% of them were 3 to 2. So the idea behind having an evenly um, structured board with 3 and 3 is an equity model that sounds great, but it's not necessarily something that needs to address a problem that exists now. And representation um, can be addressed by a mechanism that exists in our charter now, which is that people can run for office. And so you can see from the chart that we have that depending upon the year, different people run for office. So some years it's village residents, some years it's town residents, and you never know who's going to run when uh, elections happen. Okay, I'm going to stop you yeah, there just because no, we I have understand. a call. Thank you. Hi, you're on the air. Yes, um, I, I have a question yep. for, for, for them. Um, I'm an Essex resident, um, and I'd like to ask... Um, I'd like them to talk about the school board. Um, their representatives are even from um, 
all areas of town and Westford, and because they have an even-numbered board, they um, can coll- they collaborate much better, and and they, there's not an image of one side pitting against the other, or there's not one side one area of town like the village. Hi. So it, it works quite well, is what you're telling us, yes? Yes, I will, would like them to just please talk about um, the school board and why that is successful and why that works so well, because we really look to our wonderful school board and people that represent the school board brag about how collaborative and problem-solving they are. Okay. Much more, um, it's much fair, it's, it's a fair uh, and, and process that guarantees justice for all. Okay, Thank great. You. Thank you so much for calling. We appreciate it. Okay, so tell us about the, select, uh, the uh, school board. <laughs> Irene's pretty familiar with it. Um, the school board is sort of the end of the line for me. Um, I started agitating for a different representation model back in 2005 when I first got into local government. I noticed that the select board was made up of five members of the outside the village region. And that struck me as odd because I had friends in the village who essentially had no voice on that board. And you can say that those five people who lived outside the village were representing, at least theoretically, the people in the village. But I would say that until you live somewhere, you probably don't have as good a grasp of the issues as, um, we can go there in a minute, uh, as um, people who, who do live there and people who can speak up for that point of view. Um, the model I proposed in 2005 and six was a little more complicated. I'm sorry, is this about the school board? I just I'm getting there. Yes. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm giving right you the background okay. of how I got there. Okay, because people have said to me that this is all about the fact that I personally don't have the representation that I want, and I just want to give you the background that for 15 years I've been looking into fixing the representation issues that I've seen on the select board. In 2018, this goes back to Mary's question. There was a huge. Um, meeting of residents, both boards were there, and many, many people spoke up and said, we have a representation problem, and yet the boards have done nothing to address that in the past two years. One month later, I had collected 300 signatures, I was still on the select board at that time, and I asked my peers, please let us look into representation. So this is not a new issue, and I do agree with Mary's call that the select board has dropped the ball on addressing it when it has been brought to their attention by the public. I continued to work despite the fact that I've had petitions, I've had ideas of interesting configurations of the board that I've proposed, and it occurred to me once I saw the school board's ingenious solution to this, that this might also work for the select board. There are four from the village, four from outside the village. I thought it could be modified to three from the village and three from outside the village and work very well. And sure enough, when we took our petition around, it seemed to resonate with the folks we spoke with as well. Yes, Ken. So that's a good point. Um, if you can get slide number one up, possibly. Um, one of the things that happened as part of the, the merger process was a survey was done. And there were folks asked questions about the three representation models that were being considered. Now, there are 844 folks that were surveyed. We don't really know where they were from exactly. They should have been from Essex. I wouldn't give this, these numbers a huge amount of weight, but it's a signal. One thing we noticed when we were looking is that the district-only model was favored. And we thought, huh, 
and Irene picked up on the school board, we thought maybe this was something to take a closer look at. And sure enough, when we started walking our petitions around, very quickly, we were being told two things constantly. That seems fair, that makes sense. We had relatively little trouble getting the, um, the signatures. Can I get slide number two, possibly? And the thing about the representation, which I think is quite interesting, is that, yes, in fact, outside the village did dominate the select board, but it happened to be mostly during a period where the population of the town outside the village actually was higher than the village. That could be part of the explanation as to why that happened. I don't think it's the total explanation because it's really only a 1,500 difference. It's not that huge, but possibly it's, it's a factor. So I was wondering why there was such a stark change in representation, and I happened to have that population chart, and I juxtaposed it time-wise, and I said, huh, that could be an explanation. Okay. I like it. Andy or um, Elaine, do you want to talk about the uh, school board? So it was mentioned that the, it's four and four, but there's also two more from Westford. Oh, right. Andy. So there's ten of them, and the, 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 the two from Westford each get half a vote. They're half people. In it. <laughs> okay, so it's an odd number. The way the merger agreement was written is they will have no, never have less than two representatives, but they only get one vote. But if, if the population ever shifts such that they have more than one of the other districts is going to have to give up a vote at some, okay. at some point. And there's never more than nine vote, nine um, total? total votes, mm -hmm. but okay. they can tie. They can vote their half vote separately and independently of, of each other, so okay. there, there, there is okay. a possibility of a tie there. Okay, that's a little complicated. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else you want to add to that? I have several. I guess, I guess the other, the other, the other, the other piece there is that those were, that was a merger situation, which is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about just doing this right out in the middle, in the, you know, in in the, in the open, in the raw. Um, and so I, I, I think part of part of the discussion and that 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 led to the representation model, also that the populations were about the same, um, was also tangled up in the former school district, three former school districts or five former school districts, and making sure that everybody still felt like they were represented as they were before. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's a, I think it's a somewhat different situation than just changing the, the, the town select board. Um, it's not a... Um, you don't have it's you don't have f former entities coming together. It's it's a single entity, but you're you're dividing it in half. So it's a division, not a in that sense, not a merger. Um, so yeah, Elaine. Um, the former school districts that formed the EWSD each came together and had represented representatives on the new board based on the municipalities that existed before, and the town school district was the group of people who lived outside of the, the village, which is correct, but they also only paid school taxes for the, for the properties in that district. Okay. In, in th this situation, village residents are members of the town, so they have that overlap, which is something we're trying to deal with through our merger process. So um, I don't think it's a, while it, while it on paper looks like a similar comparison, I don't think it is. Um, over the past, the, the graph I showed earlier, over those 30 years, we checked with the town clerk. There were no petitions from residents to redress the situation with the representation. Um, those 10 years when there were town outside the village residents on the entirety of the board, they held all the seats. Um, we also attempted to merge at that time, and it passed during that time. 
So during that process when there was no village representation per se on the select board, they were able to work together on a merger plan that was acceptable to everybody. So um, I find that indicative of the fact that people are capable in an at-large board to represent and serve their entire community. Um, Irene mentioned a petition, the 300 signature petition, um, two years ago, I believe that happened. April 2018, yes. Yeah. When Act 46 happened, and um, the, our school districts were the first to merge under that in the state, um, but there was difficulty. There was there was something left out of the language of Act 46 that did not allow unified districts to warn their own uh, meetings and their own votes. Mm -hmm. So the town of Essex had to warn the voting for the school board, right? Um, and so there was one person running for the, t the school district, the town seat, one village seat, but because village residents are town residents, they got to vote on the town representative. And I know that Irene took significant issue with that because it felt unfair. The petition that she brought to the select board about it was the wrong jurisdiction. The select board has nothing to do with Act 46. The select board has nothing to do with the school board. There was nothing the select board could do but her petition signers were thinking that the select board could help address this situation and it had nothing to do with the representation on the select board. Um, and finally, we have been working on representation for the last two years. This whole merger process has been taxation and representation relentlessly. So this is something that's taking an enormous amount of time. We're taking as much time as we need to get it right. We have all the way to November to get it done. We're not going to stop working on it, and we're trying to hear from the public in a way that builds compromise between people who want districts and people who want at-large. And so we are working on it constantly. Um, I really disagree with the assertion that we're not paying attention to it and that the select board dropped the ball. Okay. Irene? Um, that petition was worded much more broadly than just the school districts because, again, since 2005, I've been looking at the unevenness of the representation. And I don't think it's fair that two different parts of town in which people live very different lifestyles do not have equal representation to put forth their interests, their concerns, their views. And what happens is, because of the numbers game, one half of the town is always silenced and the other half of the town has their agenda that's put forth and that goes through and the rest just suffer for it. I want to just break in a sec. So tell me something uh, in terms of the voting. Um, what is it a pure? Is it a majority? Is it two thirds? What is required to actually pass this uh, charter change item? S simple majority. majority. Simple majority. Okay. Right. And if the voters don't, if the voters reject it, what happens? Nothing. 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 It doesn't. The select board remains five at large. Okay. And if if in the other if it, they if they approve the change, um, when does it take effect? Because my sense is charter changes have to go to the legislature. Is it does. that true? It'll, okay. it'll have to be approved by the legislature. So it's up to Next the legislature. The answer is when. Or, or maybe the session. Yeah. If we're lucky. So it would go straight to the House yep. um, Government Operations Committee, mm -hmm. and along with all the other charter changes voted on at town meeting day yep. by the other towns in Vermont, yep. it would get on their list and it is up to them in what order they take it up. If it passes House Government Ops, it moves to Senate Government Ops, and then it needs to be voted on by both chambers. Okay. So it would not be implemented immediately. Mm -hmm. um, it might, if it passed the whole process, it might get implemented for 2021's okay. town meeting, but okay. that yeah. it depends on whether they get to it or not. If they don't get to it this year, they'd have to take it up next year, and by that time, um, we will have had a merger vote. So. 
if that <laughs> which passes, which might have a different representation, right. which model might have a different it, yeah. model, yeah. and then that yeah. what the, the committees would have two different merger plans yeah. to um, look at together side by side, and that is actually something that happened yeah. back in 1999, and um, they sent us back to the drawing board when that happened. So um, that's the potential. Okay. Okay. So if uh, so, if it passes, there's a process that has to go through involving the legislature. Yes. If it doesn't, it's status quo. Yep. Correct. Okay. The other thing that would have to happen if it passed is we'd have to figure out how to, how to implement it. Right. Because there's no there's no language in the in the petition to tell us how to do it. Right. Um, Okay. Or when, or or, or anything. That, so I'm not, sure there are some that's ideas. That's not quite right. <laughs> there's certain, there's certainly that's there's not, certainly ideas. Yeah. Yes. That is not quite the the, the, the charter is right. very. Let's, let 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 him finish. Then we'll let, we'll go to you. Go and, ahead. And so yeah yeah. So there's 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 been ideas posed, but there's there's been no discussion among the select board on how to do it. And, and we don't need to have that discussion until until after it passes. And I understand right. that we don't have to have a, a, a you know a, a full plan you know to to the end, um, but. Um, and what's been proposed, I'm sorry, maybe I should. Well, there's that part, of the, you, that part of the charter that says that it was pretty simple. No select board member can really be unseated. Right. So the logic would be pretty straightforward. You would have an empty seat if it passed immediately. Would be filled the normal way an empty seat is filled. You could wait till annual meeting, vote for it then, just like any other would be. Or you could appoint someone, as you Or you could appoint to. someone to finish out that term. That's right. Pretty straightforward. The next term. thing that would happen would be the next annual meeting or that same one where two people are expiring or one person is expiring, those are at-large folks, their terms would expire and now you would elect two district reps. And it would just go forward, it would take three years to fully implement it. Right. So you, you have a problem in that Vince and I are both outside. So the first empty seat. The village, and so then, then you've got two expiring at the same time, uh, if, yeah. if you do it that way. Yeah, my, my, other, my other concern... There has to be that, one expiring from each. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. My other concern with it is I've been, I will have, I've been elected previously and I expect to be elected again. I think so. <laughs> unless but, there's a write-in, you never know. Unless there's, a, unless there's an aggressive write-in that starts pretty quickly. <laughs> um, I, I will have been elected by the entire town. I don't think you can reassign me to a different... No, I, I would agree with you. You're right. I don't think you can either. Your term would have so, to, your so term would I, have to expire. So I think I would. I think I would have to resign. I think. Oh, I guess that is an issue. We it's didn't, a formal. Yeah. That's a formal. Yeah. Well, that's a big decision. It's a big yeah, decision. That's huge. Because sure. it's yeah. It's an it's an imposition as well yeah. on the existing yeah. members of the board. So I don't, I don't think you could just substitute Absol me in as a Although as I a district rep. I think you've been elected by the entire populace. Didn't you have this conversation at the governance subcommittee where you were having that same potential problem with representation on the transitional board? I believe so. That 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 proposal there is that everyone will resign and be reelected. Reelected. Mm -hmm. That's the way it's that's the way that it's currently proposed. Huh. Unfortunately, the legislature can make tweaks like this, right, when they approve the charter change. So. I'm not worried. Oh, maybe if, very we, if we came up making with, laws. with two in the same district going at the same time, somebody will be so exhausted that they'll, some, they'll simply want to resign. Yes, you're absolutely right. Didn't think that through. Okay. So some, some things to yet be figured out yeah. in terms yeah. of... Oh, we need to figure out how which you, right. which you we still have how not started that statute process, is. But, right. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one of the questions we had was the impact of the charter change on the current merger proposals, and we talked already... This is one of them, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> We've already talked mm -hmm. about it. Are there um, issues beyond that in terms of um, this charter change and its impact on the merger, talking about having this vote in November of this year, right, around merger issues? Um, well, it's confusing. And um, many of our residents feel 
like the vote that's going to be at town meeting is actually a merger vote when it's not. It's a vote specifically on this select board question. So some folks will vote no or yes based on the thinking that this is a merger vote. Um, and hopefully being us doing this tonight will help them clear that up. And they're all watching. I know they <laughs> I, are. They are. Yeah. Absolutely. We love our viewers. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's a concern. Um, there's also the, the repercussions of if this vote passes and the people who didn't want it are unhappy, they might, and it has, it gets, if it got incorporated into the merger plan, if that was a decision, then some folks would vote no because they didn't want that. If it isn't passed, then some folks would vote no on merger because they didn't get what they wanted the first time. Um, some folks will vote on this and think if it passes, it doesn't get, it, it takes care of the issue they have, and so they're not even going to bother voting on merger. It is a, it has serious implications for the merger vote, and I, I think that was well in mind for, the, for Irene and Ken as they presented the petition. You want to speak about that? I would say it's more sure. of a consequence right. as opposed to, it's a consequence because part of our town, could I have slide number three? Part of our town is, as part of the merger, we'll see a tax increase. The other part of the town will see a tax decrease. The part inside the Can blue lines. Can I ask lines, you to take that down because I do not appreciate having the residents. Those, circ those circles are big enough that you can't tell where people live. It is exactly. a violation of privacy. No, it's and not. Brought this around the entire community and showed people where each one of us lives, and it's deeply inappropriate. It's not that specific. That's though. public circles information. Are quite large, it and is it is public, public information. information. And folks can go to our website and figure that stuff out. But you going door to door and showing it to everybody makes some of our board members very nervous because of personal issues in their lives mm -hmm. that have mm -hmm. to deal with their privacy. Every single of those people very can thoughtless. go to the grand list. Okay, let's and agree. Find we'll that just, information let's just move out. on from this one. Okay, let's just let's just move on. I think it's important that you say what you wanted to say, which well, was the, the point is big picture. that the folks from outside the village feel as though they weren't getting a seat at the table, the merger table. They have to shoulder the tax burden of the merger. And there's been effort to try to mitigate that. I don't argue with that, it's true. But it's still there. And that was the impetus behind this. And that's the trigger. And then, of course, we saw the, the signal from the survey, well, maybe there was something there. And the two together indicated to us that this was something that needed to be done. So I wouldn't say that it was to, in any way, throw a monkey wrench into the merger. In fact, I would hope that this would be incorporated into the merger. Exactly. And it would actually help the merger go through if you did. Maybe there'll be a very strong signal from the vote, and that'll convince you to do that. And that's what we're waiting for. Well, that's what we need to wait for, absolutely. But it really is a, the merger is a triggering mechanism. It's, this is not to sabotage the merger, not by a long shot. Okay. Merger will succeed or fail on its own. I'm trying to show you something that you can put into the plan that would help the merger. And I'm trying to still resolve the representation issue that I discovered 15 years ago. And to me, this is the most elegant solution yet. Okay. We're coming to the end of our time, but I'd like to give you both both groups a couple of minutes to just to do sort of sum up, if you'd like, or anything we, we didn't address that you would like to. Um, and we can start. Do you want to start? You all want to start? Um, I'll, come to, I'll go second. I mean, maybe you'd like to start. You want to bring this up? Sure. Slide number five, please. When we sit at what are called joint board meetings, we see the select board and trustees meeting together, holding simultaneous meetings, and yet they're seated interlaced, which puts an additional burden, I believe, on the folks who are trying to do the right thing um, by their constituency. And I think there's just a lot of peer pressure um, with the way this is arranged, rather than having the two boards facing each other. Um, and again, as I said before, there's no one at that table who's 
representing the folks outside the village, and they have half the population in town. And I just think that it's in high time we recognize that and we fix that. Andy, can you remind us where you live? I, I live outside the village, and, and I always, Max I always, live? Max lives outside the village. Okay, also. Let's, let's, let's let these yeah, guys yeah. finish first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The folks that are elected at large have to represent the entire town. That's their obligation. They do not represent the town outside the village as a distinct district. So anybody that you saw on that chart that indicated town outside the village, there's two, granted, but they represent the whole town. And that's an important thing to remember. That's their obligation, I recognize that. The merger problem is a tax shift to an individual group of folks we call them the town out the area they live in, the town outside the village, and that is the crux of the matter. No question about it. They do not have a dedicated representative, dedicated representative that speaks for them only at the table. Much less five, as the village has five trustees at that same table. Also, um, there are 22,000 people in the town of Essex. It's daunting for any one selectman to try to understand where those 22,000 people are coming from on any issue. Um, we see our state reps have about 5,000 people each that they're accountable to. I think it makes a lot of sense to reduce the workload, the number of contacts, and in fact, the burden of what you need to be focused on and the concerns you bring to the table. And I think what's so elegant about this three and three solution is it allows people to specialize, really get to know the people in your district, and then bring those concerns to the table and work for the greater good, just as the school board does. Okay, Andy and Elaine. Andy, do you have any? Um, yeah, I always get told that I don't re adequately represent the folks in my neighborhood. It, 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 it bothers me, and I'm, and maybe it's just me. Probably all reps get that. And I, and I, hmm? probably all reps get that. Yeah, but I, and, I, and I recognize, I do recognize the uh, the representation question, and I brought this up in a in, in, a, in a meeting where I, I, I live in Chittenden Eight Three which is the rural part of, of Essex, and um, we have one state rep, and the rest of Essex has, you know, the 8-1 and 8-2 both, both have two. So I've got one state rep, and he lives in Westford. So I, I understand the, the representation question, and, and, you know, I do feel underrepresented uh, in, in the state legislature. So I can understand how somebody that lives in a rural part of, of Essex or outside the village wants to have their own rep. I understand that. Um, but I, I still cringe when I hear that I haven't been adequately um, doing my duty. Um, and the, and then the, the table that uh, we showed with all of the 10 people sitting together, we never vote together. It's always yeah, separate okay. votes. And I've, I've, I've raised questions about being interlaced as well yeah. because there was, one, yeah. there was one time when uh, Raj Chawla, poor Raj Chawla from the trustees got identified in the Essex Reporter as a select board member and the topic we were talking about was whether or not to have, or that came up was whether or not to require leashes on dogs at Indian Brook Park. And poor Raj got barraged with emails. <laughs> a lot of email for that topic. <laughs> <laughs> and it was not even in his jurisdiction. And so I understand that, that, that having us interlaced like that can cause ambiguity, jurisdictional ambiguity, which, which can be a problem. And I really do think that we should sit on opposite sides of the table. I agree. Um, I make two very quick points, yes, but sure. important points. I think the interlacing of both the boards is a way of demonstrating unity and working together and becoming working on tor towards becoming a single community in the best way we can. And we don't ever vote together. 
we always vote separately as boards. Um, a very important aspect of the proposed charter change that has not been discussed is the reduction of representation. So currently, all town residents have five representatives at large representing them. If we divide the town in half and everybody gets three on this side and three on this side, everybody also loses two representatives. And so, therefore, um, a reduction in representation does not, in my opinion, feel like a good thing for a resident. I would rather have, I would rather represent everybody if I'm supposed to represent everybody. And if I'm a voter, I would like to know that I have five people thinking about my best interests and not just three, and then being prevented from interacting or from working with that other side because they're not representing me, they're not supposed to pay attention to me. Um, it's, re the reduction of representation is a real problem. You all want to say something about that? I would say that for each of those five people to represent the interests of 22,000 people who live on very rural circumstances, nearly subsistence type style living, to condo renters, uh, extremely diverse population. So I think it's a lot to ask of select board members to represent that amount of diversity. I think Peter Welch does a pretty good job representing all of Vermont. He has a different perspective. He does, but the argument you're making to me feels invalid because it's something that we all feel comfortable with having representatives from the entire state. We'll have the final say on March the 3rd. Yes, we will. And that's probably a good place to wrap up then, isn't it? All right. So thank let you, me let Diane. everybody know. Yes, thank you all both all Thanks. for coming out tonight. We really appreciate it. And I hope this is clarified so for much. some of our for some of our viewers. And I'm sure you'll hear more. Um, information available um, on the website, I assume. Certainly the charter amendment is on there, yes? Yes. And um, sample ballot, I believe, is up on okay. the website as well. Okay. Essex.org. Essex.org. Nice and easy. Thank and can you we give that. you ours as well? Fairnessfirst.org. It's fairness with a one ST.org. Okay. Thank you. Great. And don't forget, town meeting in Essex will be held Monday, March 2nd, 7.30 p.m. at the Essex High School for consideration of the town budget. The following day, Tuesday, March 3rd, polls are open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. at the Essex High School and the Essex Middle School. Please vote early or on Tuesday, March 3rd, and tune in for our live election results program. We bring you all the results as soon as they're tabulated. So please join us on town meeting day at 7 p.m., and I will see you then. Thank you.